You're listening to episode number 88 of the Keto Diet Podcast. Today we're chatting about, is organic worth it? Why non-GMO matters, the buzzwords behind ethical animal proteins, and so much more. The show notes and full transcript for today's episode can be found at healthfulpursuit.com slash podcast slash E88. Okay, I got two cool things for you guys. The first is that I created a three-page freebie with five steps you can take right now to end your addiction to sugar if that's still a struggle for you. You can get it at healthfulpursuit.com slash sugar, and I'll include the link in the show notes too if you're unsure. The second thing is that I am going back on tour very, very soon, so you will definitely want to head on over to ketodietbook.com slash tour to see if your city is on the list and RSVP. We'll be hanging out. I'll be answering your keto questions. I'll be giving away some pretty awesome stuff and I look forward to meeting you if you can come. Okay, let's do this thing. Welcome to the Keto Diet Podcast, the show all about keto for women so you can burn fat, balance your hormones, heal your body, quickly adapt to a ketogenic diet, avoid common struggles and get the results you crave. And now here's your host. You might know her as the Keto Queen. She's the international best-selling author of The Keto Diet, founder of Happy Keto Body, and she loves dipping pork rinds in avocado oil mayo, Leanne Vogel. Hey everyone, the podcast is supported by the following awesome brands. If you can't find the links, that's okay. Just check the show notes. They'll all be there. The first is Paleo Valley. I am totally digging their turkey sticks. Each stick has 1 billion probiotic CFUs. It's a great change up from all the different beef products you can get. And I'm just really liking the fresh taste of their original and also cranberry orange flavors. All of them are gluten-free, soy-free, dairy-free, and zero grams of sugar. You can get them at paleovalley.com slash keto to receive your instant 20% off. Last but certainly not least is Thrive Market, who makes grocery shopping super easy. They have all of my favorite brands for upwards of 30% off Amazon and Whole Foods prices. And they've put together a sweet offer for all Keto Diet podcast listeners. You get $20 off your first three boxes of groceries, plus free shipping and a 30-day free trial. That's a total of $60 in savings, equivalent of over three tubs of collagen or over four free pounds of cacao butter or get this a half a year's supply of free digestive enzymes all for switching over to thrive market for your online grocery needs you can head on over to thrivemarket.com slash keto to cash in on this awesome offer Okay, today's guest is Gunnar Lovelace, who is a serial entrepreneur focused on business and health as vehicles for social change. He is the original founder of Thrive Market, which is making healthy living accessible to Americans by providing the most popular organic and non-GMO groceries at 25 to 50% off normal retail prices. He is also the co-founder and co-owner of Love Heals, a jewelry business in more than 200 high-end retail stores with over 75 employees. To date, Love Heals has funded the planting of over 1.5 million trees and sponsored over 50,000 malnourished children. Prior to Love Heals, Gunnar started two technology companies in Los Angeles in software education and natural language processing, both of which were sold. So Gunnar is a founder of Thrive Market, a partner of the Keto Diet Podcast. So I just want to let you guys know that that's a thing. And I really enjoy interviewing the brands that support the show just to show you guys just how awesome 
awesome they are and really connect their message to all of us so that we can make better choices about what brands we stand behind. And if you love Gennar's message, cool. If not, that is cool too. But I think it's really important for us to see the people behind the brands so that we can put our dollars where it matters. So with that, let's get started with today's show. Hi, Gennar. How's it going? I'm doing great. Great to be here. Yeah, thanks so much for coming on. And for listeners that may not be familiar with your work, why don't you start off by telling us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, my name is Gennar. I'm the founder and chief strategy officer of Thrive Market. And we're an online marketplace and community that makes organic groceries available at the same price as conventional equivalents for the first time in history. And we ship to people nationally in the US. And uh, it's a membership model. So you get access healthy food for for 20 to 5 to 50% off and uh, have it shipped in eco-friendly packaging to your home and for every paid membership of $60 a year uh, a family in need is is sponsored with a free membership and you know it's something that's really important to me I, I grew up really poor with a single mom and I saw hard she worked to make healthy choices and it's it's been such a journey of a lifetime to work with so many talented people uh, working on such a great business that helps empower people and, and deals with so many amazing environmental issues at the same time. And do you get to connect with some of the people like your customers? I know that it can feel so nourishing to be able to actually physically connect with them and meet them in real life. Do you get to do that even though your business is online? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it really is, you know, when I, when I read the first testimonial and connected with a single mom that was in our giving program that had gotten a free membership who, you know, she was literally dumpster diving for food for, for her child out of the back of a Whole Foods. And, uh, you know, I would transparently, I was like really moved and made me very emotional. And it, it, you know, I had to dumpster dive for food when I was in college uh, as a full ride scholarship student. And so it was, it was just, uh, it was just so in the midst of, as you say, you know, the intensity of being a startup and an entrepreneur you know, when you get those kind of real world feedback points where you're like, wow, the work that we're doing together really matters and it's really impacting people. It, it gives us the the fortitude and the the persistence to kind of work through the, the difficulties that invariably come up. Yes, I totally agree with you. And as you grow, I know we were, we just launched a program called Happy Keto Body a couple of months ago. And I was, you know, reviewing it just before we went live. And I'm thinking like, I couldn't have done this five years ago. I didn't have the resources. I didn't have the knowledge. I didn't have the support behind me. And now I'm able to produce something that I have dreamt about for over a decade to be able to deliver this to people. So it's, it's such a blessing really to be able to create more, to be supported more, to create even more, to help more people. So that's why I really love Thrive because I feel like every time you guys push harder, you give back more. So I think that's really cool. So Thank I just you. wanted to yeah. yeah, I mean, it's it's just this, uh, I think it's this really interesting moment where people realize in the face of intense political and kind of institutional corporate dysfunction, they realize a place that they have real power is voting with their purchases and, and voting with their money. And it's uh, really exciting to see how that that growing awareness and power from the grassroots movement is really supporting really amazing small brands that are doing innovative things that make the world a better place and bring great products to people everywhere. And, and what 
what makes a good product to you or what do you look for in a solid brand where when people are voting with their purchase, they're actually making a difference? Like, what do you personally look for? Yeah. So, you know, it's a couple different things. I mean, in, in, in a food category or like a, you know, household category of like cleaning products, I first and foremost want to make sure it's something that's actually healthy and uh, and, you know, obviously we have like some indulgent pleasures and things like that. So it's not, it's not like we're absolute Puritans in that regard, but, you know, as little or no processed sugar as possible, uh, very clean ingredients. So that's like that, that's like the very surface level. Um, you know, we have a whole set of criteria across every major category of groceries that we carry that, you know, we could go into exhaustively. So it, it has to fit our very stringent guidelines. Um, but then, you know, what, what really excites me is when a brand does that and also uh, builds kind of very specific, intentional, positive externalities into their business uh, such that it's, you know, helping uh, solve major issues at the same time. So, you know, an example of that was, uh, you know, a, a grass-fed bone broth company that, you know, does close a closed loop system working with a jerky provider where it uses the whole animal to make the bone broth. And, you know, that's an amazing thing because, you know, the way that we're eating meat in terms of factory farming of animals is is such a pernicious problem and being able to create a closed loop system like that where people can get nutrient dense bone broth in a way that is really conscious and aware and supports a small brand doing an innovative process around it that's really exciting Mm, yeah, definitely. I know that a couple of the brands we support have that full loop process. And that's really exciting that they're willing, like if every brand sat down and said, how could we make this a more holistic approach, they could figure it out. So it's really cool that they're working together um, so that there's less waste product. Yeah, it's, it's just such a like, for example, we last November, we became the first e-commerce company to go zero waste from our distribution center to landfill. And it was it's you know, that was really hard. It took us a year to figure out how do we deal with all the waste that gets produced out of our distribution centers when we receive all the packaging and all the brands and all the stuff that they package their products in and invoices and void fill and the cardboard boxes, like just there's a lot of little details. And, you know, it's in most business historically, has just focused on profit at all costs. So it just would, you know, trash whatever it didn't need without any thought of where those things would go and the future generations that are left to deal with that trash. And, you know, it's it's this really exciting moment where businesses increasingly recognize that they have an opportunity and actually a responsibility to challenge themselves to do better. And and actually if they're good at telling those stories to consumers consumers will reward them for that behavior and it's actually a competitive differentiator. So it's, that's really, I think, I actually think that that's the whole, and so much of that kind of intentional design of positive externalities, positive supply chain dynamics is happening out of the organic and healthy food industry, really leading the way in that regard. And I think that's a really exciting thing. You know, I hadn't even really thought about the waste product of if you're receiving shipping items from other brands and then repackaging it and sending it to me, something I've become quite conscious of, especially in the United States, because it's really not an issue in Canada, is the recycling here and the access to 
recycling. And in places like Florida, New Mexico, Arizona, access to fl- access to recycling, we found even Louisiana, it's just not a thing. <laughs> like, And so um, it's been a real struggle for us. Uh, my Jeep is still full of a lot of recycling because I refuse to just throw it in the trash. And we I've posted on Instagram, like who has a blue box or blue bin um, that you, they wouldn't mind me dropping off some stuff. And you know, travelers traveling through are just um, encouraged to just throw their recyclables in the garbage. And as a person, we can do those things. But I think, like you said, it's really important the brands that we decide to support that they're being conscious of the waste that they're creating as well. Yeah. And I think that the good news there is that it's actually, it's the right thing to do, but it's also a smart business practice, uh, and especially when it's coupled with you know, the understanding that, you know, we need to be telling those stories in engaging ways to our customers so that our customers reward us for that behavior. And, and that way, you know, like that's how we out Amazon, you know, that's how, that's how we compete against Amazon. You know, Amazon has 17,500 three-star reviews on its shopping app and we have 17,500 five-star reviews on our shopping app. And that's because, we focus so intensely on delivering such incredible value and speaking directly to the hopes and aspirations of our members who care deeply about price and convenience and quality, but also really care about the virtues and values of what they're buying, where they're buying it from, what's, how are the products made, how are the employees treated, what happened to the environment in the process. And those are, you know, it's, it's, this, uh, I mean, you know, at this point, given the internet, it's so hard to hide things. And, you know, our assumption is that every piece of information is public. And so, uh, which is exciting because we're open, we're, we're used to dealing in a very transparent way. It doesn't mean that we don't make a lot of mistakes because it's an invariable, it's invariably part of the process, but just being willing to share our process, gather feedback and, and really enroll our customers as part of our community so that they can get organic groceries at wholesale prices shipped to their home for free in 100% post-consumer recycle packaging and have a beautiful aspirational experience and support brands that are doing amazing things in the world. Like that's just such an exciting uh, dynamic and it hasn't been possible. Um, and I think, I think it's largely driven now by one, the recognition that, you know, anybody paying attention recognizes that we're, you know, we're faced tremendous problems, whether it's health issues from lifestyle diseases or economic issues associated with so many people being sick or environmental issues because of the way that we produce and distribute and eat food from conventional farming. So it's, it's this the really interesting moment where, you know, we've been incredibly successful as a species, but we now, um, you know, the next generation of us are going to be you know, the, the first generation to live a shorter lifespan because of so many of these issues coming together. And so people recognize that there's a real, there's real problems and it, you know, it, it, we're, we're definitely, uh, you know, we, we tend to not make really systemic habit formation changes, both in our personal life and as people, unless our back is against the wall and, and the, the double-edged sword is our back is increasingly against the wall with so many challenges and it, it's forcing us to, you know, rethink the way we do things. And, and, and the upside of that is it's causing a lot of innovation and positive new brands and, and positive new, you know, food products and, and, and that kind of thing. Mm, amazing. And you've been in the space, in the health space for quite some time. How has accessibility and 
yeah, just really accessibility. How has that changed over time in the organic, healthy living space from your perspective? Well, I think, you know, there's, first of all, there's this, this really great movement around organic going mainstream. And, you know, there's, there's pros and cons to that, but the, I really believe it's mostly good in that, you know, you look 80% of American consumers, for example, now want to be able to access organic and, uh, and a, a vast majority of Americans are buying organic in some portion or another. Um, so that's, that's really exciting. I think that, you know, the, the challenge with any of these types of alternative and emerging new healthier food systems is that it's really a scaling issue. So, you know, why is it that food with lots of chemicals and processing costs less than food with no chemicals and processing, which is completely absurd and crazy when you just think about it from a face value perspective. But it's really about the fact that these very large consumer food companies have uh, economies of scale, which means that the pricing of the products get to be very, very cheap. And uh, and so it, they also benefit from you know distortionary corporate welfare in the form of agricultural subsidies and other types of uh, subsidies. So there's, there's a couple of those dynamics at play. But the primary challenge is for the organic industry historically that it, there hasn't been enough scale and volume in consumer purchasing behavior uh, or supply to be able to really bring the prices down. And that's finally starting to happen. Uh, so that's a really exciting thing where, you know, there's enough consumers that are interested in organic, want to buy organic, that it's causing there to be economies of scale around the supply side, which means that the prices are becoming lower. And it means and it's a virtuous cycle. So as the prices fall, more consumers can buy organic, which causes more scale, which causes the prices to fall further, which means even more people can buy it. So we're, we're in a very positive feedback loop in that regard. The negative side is that uh, you see you know, companies creating very processed forms of food that are technically organic and, and that they don't have pesticides, but they're still just very processed foods. And that's that's something that, you know, just because it says organic doesn't mean that it's healthy. It just means that it doesn't have chemicals and per pesticides used in the agricultural process. Mm. And I think continuing on this conversation is a lot of people feel like organic doesn't matter. And because it's so costly, it's equal. Like, why, why would I buy organic food? And are there, my question to you really is, why would they buy organic food? And also, which foods are better, best, uh, better bought organic as opposed to other options. Yeah, you know, so I think that it's really, you know, we're like 90 plus percent of our catalog is organic. We do have small farmers uh, and specific use cases where it's not um, either because we know that the farmer is organic, but we just, it's just too expensive for them to get certified. So that there's like different reasons. I think at the end of the day, it's really about empowering yourself. And it's this, you know, it's, this, it's a, this time where we have to really take radical personal responsibility for ourselves. We can't, we really just can't trust, you know, big companies and big government and institutions to take care of us. Like it's, it's, it's a time where we have to really empower ourselves with information and educate ourselves and, and pass that information along to friends and loved ones. And so that's really, um, that's really primary to the process. And it's, um, and I think that, you know, you know, whether it's the dirty dozen, whether it's, uh, certain types of foods that have very porous skins that, you know, get sprayed 
versus like an avocado, which has a really thick skin that isn't necessarily as important that it's organic. So there's there's things like that where you know it's 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 actually pretty common sense. Um, and then you know there's you know like for example spinach is you know part of the dirty dozen, and you know that's that's a vegetable type that you really don't want to be eating unless it is organic. And so I, I think the I think the the dirty dozen is is basically a you know, is a, is basically a very, very simple way of thinking about, you know, what to get organic and why. And, you know, that, that also, um, you know, that the, there's, there's a dirty dozen on the, the kind of food side, but there's also, you know, a dirt, dirty dozen on the, you know, uh, endocrine disruptor side, which is like cleaning products and personal care products, which deals with things like, you know, BPA and dioxin and atrazine and phthalates, you know, these, these are, you know, these are things that we now know cause uh, hormone and endocrine disruption and uh, particularly, ch- particularly difficult for children and babies. You know, we, we often think that, you know, we don't recognize that, that our skin is actually our largest organ in our body. And, you know, if we're putting cleaning products on the ground or the counters that have uh, hormone or endocrine disruptors in them or, or, or chemical perfumes that, you know, we're taking all that in just by touching it and that our children uh, and babies are, are actually the most vulnerable in that regard. That's a terrifying, <laughs> it's a terrifying conversation for sure. Um, I know that when I first started studying nutrition, oh gosh, back in 2007, when I went to school, I remember the the course piece on all the toxins in everything, cleaning products, uh, perfumes, makeup. And I remember going home and just trashing everything, but it can be a, it was very hard for me. And I ended up going back to regular products and not until recently when I really started delving into the whole hormone thing, was I looking at, you know, the skin cream and the Swiffer sweeper wet mop things that I used to use and just all those little things that add up that can really disrupt your hormones and cause some massive issues. And now it's like a little vinegar and water goes a long way. And there are great products that you can clean sometimes even better than the original products. So I think that that's really great um, that people are starting to talk about this and that it is an issue. I know that I recently learned that BPA has been replaced with, I think it's BPS. Is that right? Where it's just as worse, if not worse, or than BPA itself. So I think that education piece is so important for everyone to know and to think. Like you said, Gennar, it's it's really about our skin being the largest organ, and it soaks up a lot of things that we don't even think about. <laughs> yeah, it's it's just you know, it's I think that it's you know the ultimate message from you know, and, and I know that there's a lot of fear, and it's a very natural kind of place to go in all this, but. The good news is that there's so many great alternatives to all of this stuff now. So it's cleaning products, personal care products, it's sunscreen that actually works, you know, it's it's uh, makeup that actually works. Uh, I mean, there's just, there are real solutions now to all of these things that actually perform the way that conventional equivalents do. But and are and are now like you know through through a platform like Thrive Market where you can actually buy those things at the same price as conventional equivalents for the first time in history and have it shipped to your home for free, like that's it's now happening. So it's really now a question of you know communities like yours that are inspiring and educating people and creating uh, you know just opportunities for increased awareness 
so that we can empower ourselves with that information. And, and it's really, it's, it's at the end of the day, these are very small changes. It's, it's, they, they can see, they can seem overwhelming in aggregate, but you just kind of like, you know, just go through your house and you're like, okay, what, what am I buying everywhere that I put in my house? And you just kind of go through each room and you're like, okay, uh, I'm in my, I'm in my laundry room. Here's my, here's my laundry detergent and here's my cleaning products. And, you know, here's the things that I'm putting in my dryer and just, you just kind of look at them and just like anything that comes from a conventional source probably should be taken out and, uh, and then find uh, and use one of the many products from dozens of incredible companies that are pro- providing alternatives to it. Yes. I mean, so much has changed over the last 11 years. <laughs> it's, it's great that we have access to these options now. And also, too, I wanted to chat about organic certification because I find, and maybe I'm incorrect, but I think we're getting certified to say our product is organic can be quite costly. And we get a lot of questions of like, but how do I know if it's organic? You know, I have a local farmer that makes cucumbers and I'm really concerned that, you know, they don't have an organic certification. Is it safe to eat? What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think, again, I think it's just really about uh, educating ourselves. So, you know, first and foremost, you know, it being buying from and supporting uh, businesses that are organic uh, certified is really important, and we're a big believer and proponent of organic. You know, there are there's a there's a major assault on organic in general right now under the new kind of regulatory regime. So it's it's important that we continue to really make sure we support it. And uh, there are plenty of instances where it's not necessarily uh, essential, and and that's really just a question of you know do you do you know the brand do you trust them have you researched them what are people saying online about them and you know there's there, it, whether it's a small farmer that just can't afford to go organic like you know for example at the farmers market that you know I'll shop at semi regularly. You know, like I know of the three farmers that are in the local area, they just can't afford to be certified organic, but I just know the farmers and I know that this is absolutely the highest quality organic produce I could get. And so it's, it's, uh, I think it's really, it goes back to the thing of, of really educating ourselves in the absence of having a little bit of time to understand those things, then it is important that we go for things that are certified organic or that, you know, we're, we're buying things that, you know, are part of, you know, the clean 15, which, you know, the EWG has a dirty, dirty dozen and clean 15. And, you know, dirty dozens are things like strawberry, spinach, apples, peaches, cherries, grapes, celery, tomatoes, sweet bell peppers and potatoes. But then on the clean, clean 15 is things that tend to have skins to them and tend to be uh, protected. And, you know, that's like sweet corn and avocados and pineapples and onions and papaya and mangoes, the things that have uh, uh, a tough skin and, and, or aren't known for being sprayed heavily. And so it's, it's, you know, I think it's just, again, it's really back to that piece. We have to take responsibility for our own health. And, you know, that's really what's so exciting about the work that you do is you're, you're building a community of inspired people who recognize that, you know, they want to get their information from somebody that they trust so that they can empower themselves on their journey. Mm -hmm. Yes. And, and part of this conversation too, is the GMO conversation. Maybe for people that don't know what GMOs are, can you just explain what a GMO is? Yeah, so GMO stands for genetically modified organism. And, you know, where we've taken a very strong stand on genetically engineering, we, we're the largest 
national retailer that is exclusively non-GMO. And it's something that we care deeply about. Uh, so, you know, we've been very, very fastidious about making sure we do not have food and grocery products that have any kind of genetic engineering as part of their supply chain. And, you know, that is uh, not an easy thing to do. We, we make mistakes on it. Sometimes we don't, we're not fully aware of something until we, you know, get exposed to a piece of information. Sometimes brands say that they are non-GMO and they're getting non-GMO verified, but then they don't actually make progress on that. And then we'll pull them off the site because we don't feel like we can trust them. And we want to make sure at the end of the day, the most valuable thing that we have with our members is trust. I mean, it, it is truly our most valuable asset as a business. So it's, it's, um, it's something we care deeply. Now, the problem with genetically engineered is that that you have in the way that it's used in main food crops is that you have genetically engineered plants that are engineered to withstand massive systemic poisoning from the application of herbicides and pesticides. So a specific example of that is, you know, Roundup ready crops like wheat, soy, corn, cotton, you know, these are huge commodity crops that are in everything that we eat on the wheat and soy side. And so what you have is you have this plant that has been genetically engineered to, to withstand massive amounts, and I mean massive amounts of poisoning, and the plant survives and this you know herbicide is sprayed so that it kills the weeds. But the, the problem is, is that while the plant will survive, the, the actual Roundup and the glyphosate gets into the food and is then ingested in our bodies when we eat that food. Uh, and that uh, that herbicide and Roundup destroys the topsoil, which releases a tremendous amount of carbon, and it gets into all the water streams. So you have this really kind of insidious way of producing food where, where these genetically engineered plants are surviving the process, uh, but we have massive destruction to the environment and and a, and a majority of Americans now that are testing positive for glyphosate in their in their urine which is you know glyphosate is the is the is the main active ingredient in roundup so that's you know it's not that we're inherently against genetically engineered uh, organisms like there are some use cases that it actually makes sense you know, if you're in a third world country and you've got a plant that is, you know, has, has been engineered for higher nutrient density and less water consumption so that you, people can, you know, survive and have a healthy life off of, of, of a plant in a low water situation. Like that's something that we're not inherently against. That said, the way that it's being done today is so insidious and it's, it's, it's so pervasive that we felt like, you know, this is being done too quickly Consumers don't understand it. They can't trust uh, where this is coming from. And we, we want nothing to do to be part of this, which is why we've drawn such a hard line in the sand. Um, and I think that's, that's really the core of it. It's, you know, it's, it's engineering food crops to withstand systemic poisoning, which then uh, gets into our food and gets into our, our environment. And as a consumer, how can we make the non-GMO thing work for us? Like, are there certain foods that are more commonly found using GMOs um, or, or, or are GMOs themselves? Yeah. So, I mean, you're, you're the most, you know, like most common GMO crops are, you know, really things like soy and wheat, uh, you know, corn, soy, wheat, um, and canola, you know, are, are like top, top, top GMO. And, and, and the problem is, is that, uh, you know, 
corn is in everything um, in conventional foods. So whether it's your cereal, whether it's your sweeteners, whether it's your soda, like the, this is all genetically engineered corn and corn-based derivatives that have glyphosate from Roundup Ready production processes. So it's it's really important if you know if we're buying anything at a conventional uh, grocery store. And it does not say non-GMO. You have to assume that – and if it's got a, a corn-based or a soy-based or a wheat-based or a canola-based ingredient, you have to assume literally 99% of them will have genetically engineered food. And you know, there's there's all sorts of data. It's not it's not. I haven't seen stuff that's super conclusive, but there's a lot of data that seems to suggest that you know a lot of the uh, you know, wheat intolerance, allergies, and different types of um, in- inflammation illnesses are are actually a byproduct of us eating uh, genetically engineered fruit crops with high amounts of glyphosate in them. So this, it's just, it's not, it's a non-trivial thing. Uh, again, the good, the good news is that you literally can buy all of those types of things. You know, whether it's cereals or snacks. You know, you can get all of those types of things from a, a partner like Thrive Market and have it shipped to your home for free at the same price as you would get it at a conventional store, and it's all non-GMO. So it's not like it's not like there's a, a major. It's not a. It's not a. It's not like we have to give up uh, what it is we're doing. We just need to make small adjustments so that we're not exposing ourselves to genetically engineered food. I think that's the biggest takeaway is like just small adjustments. I know like 11 years ago when I was saying studying nutrition, there really wasn't a lot of options and it was terrifying. It was like, I don't even know where to find this stuff. Um, But now in 2018, it's really easy to make those small shifts and also spend the same amount of money that you are on the conventional stuff. And it's great that you mentioned, you know, um, wheat and corn, I find that when I'm in places like Germany or Costa Rica, I can eat the wheat and I can eat the eggs, no problem. And I just can't eat wheat or eggs in North America. So that's a really fun thing that I found the first time I went to Germany and my sister-in-law was making eggs. I said, I'll just have a little and didn't hurt my stomach at all. So you mentioned corn, wheat, a bunch of different things that animals also eat. So I'm assuming that this non-GMO conversation also also can impact the protein that we're eating, either conventional, grass-fed, and all the things. Can we chat a little bit about that too? Yeah. So, so the grass-fed thing is a really tricky one. It's actually the vast majority of grass-fed uh, labeled products actually end up in uh, as as in feedlots for the the last half of their life in in being grain-fed in a in a really insidious factory farm. So it's a really it's a big, big issue. Just because somebody says grass-fed does not mean it's actually truly grass-fed. And so, you know, most most cattle in that circumstance in that circumstance are going to be spending the last, you know, twenty to fifty percent of their life in a feedlot being grain finished on genetically engineered food. So that's that's a really big deal. And it's, you know, one of the reasons why we built, we just literally launched the most ethical frozen meat program in the country. And you literally can now, it's like all single, single source. We've boots on the ground, photo documentation, video documentation. We've worked directly with single farmers across all the major protein types from, you know, from cattle to 
cat on beef to you know that's truly grass fed and and rotational uh, herding practices at, at low populations so that the, the animals are really it's like replicating what a wild condition would look like historically to you know truly range free out of you know 40 farmers in a cooperative on the chicken to you know rotational mob herding practices is on pork that's this amazing uh, farmer out of North Carolina to incredible sustainable farm raise uh, antibiotic free uh, uh, fish varieties and and wild caught salmon so these are these are the ways that we thought about it and it's because of things like um, con consumer confusion and the uh, around the word grass fed and protein sources in general that we built out a program like this and and not only is it um, you know something that we're so we care so deeply about from the supply chain side, but we literally built out three frozen distribution centers to to launch uh, frozen meat to our to our members. But they're all like 100% wind powered frozen distribution centers, recycled 100% post consumer recycled packaging, recycled denim, you know denim gene insulation inside the boxes. So it's it's really I, it's something that I've been thinking about and that our team has been working on for for more than two years and it's such an important issue and when we looked at the market we felt like there's so much confusion out there and there's so much so much misinformation and that we felt like we had to build a program that consumers could really trust because it's it, it's so important for people who do want to be purchasing meat that they can get it from a really high quality trusted source you know delivered in an environmentally friendly way to their home mm, i can't wait to try it i'm so excited for this <laughs> that's gonna be so great and did, did you know about it if not we have to send you a box yes i knew about it um okay. i was first to know about it i had to keep my lips sealed about it so okay. um okay. i've been excited okay, for a really long time about it oh, um, great. i actually think when this episode launches, I will have tried it already. So great, great. Um, I already love it. <laughs> <laughs> you love it. Oh, you're amazing. I totally love it. <laughs> um, and okay, so there's a lot of buzzwords when it comes to protein. And since this is something new that you guys are are doing, I'd love to kind of pick your brain. It's not something that we've chatted about the podcast too much, but it's really important to me, especially lately. You mentioned the grass fed piece and why grass finish is important. But there's also a lot of buzzwords like I was at Costco the other day, just looking at some of the ways that they promote this awesome, quote unquote, healthy meat. And a lot of it says organic. And uh, what was another one? Fed exclusively corn. <laughs> and one was grass fed, um, raised without the use of antibiotics. And then a little star that says, you know, p pork can't be raised with um, hormones or something like that. What are all these buzzwords and what are we actually looking for in a high quality animal product? Yeah. So I think, um, you know, first of all, you know, got to work with, with uh, retailers and brands that you trust that that is like so, so primary because, you know, they're, they're big food corporations recognize consumers are concerned about this and they're literally just as you say they're throwing these buzzwords around and it doesn't mean a lot and so that's a really big deal now the truth is that just because meat is antibiotic free does not antibiotic and hormone free does not mean it's you know great to eat you know you've got you know you've got really some of the worst conditions in the history of our species in terms of you know the way that animals are treated 
the labor conditions of people in those uh, those types of uh, situations, you know, that the, you have animals that literally can't even move, you know, a foot because they're in, in, in cages. Um, and, and so it's really important that we align our purchasing power around doing it a better way. And, you know, that, the it's really the way that factory farming of animals is happening today is it's, it's really one of the most negative things that we do as a species on the planet period. Um, it's really hard on the animals. It's, it's terrible for the employees in those conditions and it's terrible for the environment. I mean, you've got, you know, incredible dead rivers and dead ocean zones associated with, you know, the ways that we are dealing with factory farming of animals. So it's, it's, you know, antibiotic and hormone free is not enough like that's a baseline but it's so important that we quickly move our purchasing behavior to to supporting you know really clean ethical supply chains and um and that's why you know when we build out our, our meat program we we literally you know super limited sourcing in terms of you know, we're not trying to add every single variety, but just the best and most important varieties and that we have really clear line of sight on where, you know, where the protein is coming from, how the animals are treated, how are the employees treated, what are the environmental conditions of those things. So, you know, obviously, you know, it's, it is, you know, there are really great grass fed protein sources and that it's just about, it's about really knowing, is it, is it, are they grass fed? How are they? How are they finished? If they're if they're grain finished in a feedlot, like it's really not that much better than a traditional source of conventional beef. Um, and so, another buzzword that actually is meaningful is this idea of regenerative, and that that's something that's coming on in a big way that I think consumers are going to see very prominently over the next two or three years, and that speaks to uh, the idea that there's this amazing opportunity to make food to you know to to grow food and to do animal husbandry practices that are actually regenerative that it's not enough to be just sustainable because that means we just literally sustain uh, where we're at but that you know we've done so much damage to the environment that we actually can use the way that we produce food to actually regenerate topsoil to sequester carbon by pulling that by building healthy topsoil uh, in the context of animal farming you know when you when we do you know like uh, high rotational of moving the animals from one place to another quickly uh, over short periods of time it actually causes topsoil to be grown and it causes the land to be regenerated as opposed to you go to like feedlots you drive up the you know interstate 5 in California and you see these kind of like desert feedlots uh, where the you know it's just horrendous conditions for the animals, the employees, and the land is completely devastated. So I, I would I think that that by and large it's less about the buzzwords and it's more about really knowing and trusting your source. Mm, that's amazing, and I have driven on that road, and I know exactly what you're talking about. And it was my first time experiencing that, and I may or may not have cried a little. <laughs> it was yeah. just it was really difficult to watch. It's, heart, it's heartbreaking. It is it heartbreaking. Is. It is. Okay. My, one of my last questions for you is what's next for Thrive Market? You guys just launched, you know, this animal protein piece. Like what, what's your vision for the next year? You know, we're, we're really just focused on, on doing what we do and, and doing it better in incremental 
ways all the time. I mean, you know, we're our team is they just do such a great job at challenging all of us all the time to improve what we're doing. And it's uh it's, you know, like building the most ethical, high quality frozen meat program in the country, like that was a huge lift. And we started with an incredible set of initial protein sources, but we're now adding all sorts of other varieties. And it's it's super exciting to see how strongly our members are responding to it. And I, I really think that 2018 is not about you know, huge new additional things, but it's going to be more about just continuing to improve the things that we're already doing. And, and really, um, you know, the, the, the frozen meat program in itself is a massive, massive push. And it's going to be something that we're really excited about, you know, telling the stories of what we're doing, why that matters and empowering our members to be able to, to make a better choice in a cost effective way that, you know, is great for farmers, great for workers and, and great for the environment. Just all the yeses. And I'm so happy that we partner together and that your message so much aligns with my message. And I just really appreciate you taking the time to share your passion for this business that has helped thousands of people and continues to inspire all of us to make healthy choices for ourselves and also our planet. And you guys are really good at highlighting that. So you've put together um, a really great offer for all the Keto Diet podcast listeners. If you guys want $20 off your first three orders for a total of $60 in savings, plus free shipping and a one month trial for Thrive Market, you guys can go to thrivemarket.com slash keto. So that's a lot of awesome things. Basically $60 in savings, free shipping and a one month free trial for Thrive Market. So thanks again, Gunnar, for being on the show today. Yeah, I really love what you're doing and the energy you bring. And it's so important that, you know, you continue to succeed and and that, you know, millions of your community members get to, you know, get access to the great information and the energy that you bring. So really, really grateful for the work that you do. Oh, thank you. Well, the show notes and full transcript for today's episode can be found at healthfulpursuit.com slash podcast slash E88. Okay, that does it for another episode. And I will see you on Wednesday. Wait, did you just hear Wednesday? You did. That's right. We're going to two episodes starting on Wednesday, June 6th. We're calling them mini-sodes and I can't wait to tell you the story and mission behind them. So until Wednesday. Thanks for listening to the Keto Diet Podcast. Join us again next Sunday to discover more Keto for Women secrets for your fat-fueled life. The Keto Diet Podcast, including show notes and links, provides information in respect to healthy living, recipes, nutrition, and diet, and is intended for informational purposes only. The information provided is not a substitute for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment, nor is it to be confused as such. We cannot guarantee that the information provided on the Keto Diet Podcasts reflects the most up-to-date medical research. Information is provided without any representations or warranties of any kind. Please consult a qualified physician for medical advice and always seek the advice of a qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding your health and nutrition program.